last number, I'd like to ask your help. But the people in the cheaper seats, clap your hands. <laughs> and the rest of you, if you just rattle your jewellery. got our milk, we've got our honey, so it's time to start. Welcome to Trimming the Musical Fat. I'm Stephen Nicholson. And I'm Paul Nicholson. And today we're delighted you're joining us for our latest What If episode, where we write an alternative history for a musical artist we love to create what we hope is a great additional album in their catalogue. And the subject of this episode is the legend that is John Lennon. And joining us today to help choose the songs that will make the alternative history John Lennon album is the beautiful boy himself, Paul Murphy. How are you, Paul? Hello. Hello. I'm very well, thank you. And how are you? Oh, I'm excellent. Excellent. And I'm pleased to hear you've got your Lennon reference Bible to hand. What's the name of the book you've got there, Paul? So it's uh, called John Lennon Box of Visions. So it's one of these these sort of boxes that you can put all your CDs in and it's got uh, it's like a it's got all the album the 12 inch sort of vinyl um, sort of covers and everything in on it and all the inserts and so yeah it's uh, it's That's quite cool. a handy yeah. little reference to have like mm-hmm. it's got the calendar from uh, where is this the one that um, the one where he had his out on it oh no no it's not it's a uh, live piece in Toronto that was what the calendar had. the blue one blue cover. <laughs> yeah, not too <clears throat> virgin not two virgins or life of the lions. <laughs> okay, so both you got you, you you both own this, do you? Yes. Uh, oh. Paul actually got it for me many years ago, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah quite a few years cool. ago now. Uh, but when you know CDs were a thing. That's right. Yeah, I put all the CDs in it. Yeah, all the Lennon CDs. A few left out. <laughs> well, I get it on eBay for about two thousand pounds or something. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, well, it's good. Thanks for joining us today, Paul. Let's take a trip back in time. We interrupt this program to bring you a special bulletin from NBC News. Former Beatle John Lennon is dead. Lennon died in a hospital shortly after being shot outside his New York apartment tonight. A suspect is in custody, but has not been identified. Again, John Lennon is dead tonight of gunshot wounds at the age of 40. We now return to The Tonight Show. But it's suddenly been placed in total perspective for us. I'll finish this. They're in the hurry-up offense. 
Timeout is called. Three seconds remaining. John Smith is on the line. And I don't care what's on the line, Howard. You have got to say what we know in the booth. Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game. No matter who wins or loses. An unspeakable tragedy confirmed to us by ABC News in New York City. John Lennon outside of his apartment building on the west side of New York City. The most famous, perhaps, of all of the Beatles. Shot twice in the back. Rushed to Roosevelt Hospital. Dead on arrival. Hard to go back to the game after that news flash, which in duty found we had to take. Frank. Indeed it is. So, guys, the scenario we're giving ourselves today is that John Lennon is not murdered in 1980 and instead does not release a double fantasy album, continues recording into 1981 and releases a new album that very same year. <laughs> we're drawing from the John Lennon only tracks from Double Fantasy, the Lennon only tracks from 1984's posthumously released Milk and Honey, tracks from 1975 onwards that were posthumously officially released. So, for example, something like Real Love. And we're going to call our album Watching the Wheels. It would be remiss of us to start creating Watching the Wheels before first talking about the two albums that Lennon did release in 1980 and 1984. First up, Double Fantasy. Our life together is so precious together. We have grown, we have grown Although our love is still special Let's take a chance and fly away Somewhere So long since we've been apart, my feet are hurting and I start to fart. It's easy. Hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. That's the overdub. Yeah, yeah. I have to go somewhere alone. It's been so. We'll have to. I'll have to say alone. You don't have to. 
Yeah, I do. Somewhat. Yeah, but then I don't. Yeah, but then I have to go. Well, alone. Then I have to start singing. Well, it's been so long. It's like that, you see. Well, maybe, maybe. I don't know. No, you just did it. Somewhere alone. Well, it's been so long. Yeah, you can get your bubble on alone, you see. Somewhere alone. Bubble. Yeah, you I, can can you give me less than that? Can you just give me babum? Yeah. Let's just come smashing in there. Try it. Somewhere alone. The background uh, to the album, like John Lennon had uh, compiled, started compiling a lot of songs. Well, obviously from 1975 up to uh, 1980, but he'd went to Bermuda in the summer of 1980 and he demoed a lot of tracks and he would let Yoko hear some of them and see what she thought of them and he did, he used like a beatbox uh, to do the the backing for it and then he took all those demos back and took them back to uh, to New York and it was all done fairly quickly actually, the recording of the album and Basically, Yoko was tasked with doing the business side of it, which had been the case in the last few years prior to that. And she was uh, wanting to, so John Lennon was keen to get into the studio. And she, so there were, uh, she thought about, you know, what record label, because obviously John Lennon's uh, record deal had finished in 75. So they were looking for a new record deal. And to cut a long story short, they went with David Geffen because he he guaranteed that he would uh, distribute the album without having to listen without having listened to the album and some sort of astrology thing that he had the right sign or something that Yoko agreed with. So so yeah, they the, uh, they went and recorded the album. I think it was August 1980 and through to September, and then it came out in October. That's quick. Yeah, yeah, it, w- it was quick. It was. It wasn't that long. Uh, and then in, in between that, you had Cheap Trick had come in and done a few tracks as well, and which I thought were brilliant, the instrumentation on them. But yeah, but that that part of that will come into the story, I'm sure, when we go through the tracks. But uh, so so that was kind of the background behind it. So the album came out. Yeah, the tail end of 1980, November, and uh, which was preceded by just like starting over single. So, because this is John Lennon's first album in five years, there was a a, a lot of anticipation actually for it, and nobody really knew it. It was all kept top secret. The recording sessions were all like sworn to secrecy. And it was tried. They tried to do it at times of the day, but it was a bit covert, so that nobody could know that the sessions were going on. They wanted to keep it uh, secretive. So, anyway, the the initial when the album did come out, the initial uh, critical reaction to the album was actually largely negative. However, three weeks after the album's release, Lennon was murdered, and several negative reviews by prominent critics were withheld from publication including those by Stephen Holden of the New York Times and Tony, uh, sorry, Tom Carson of Rolling Stone. 
and Jeffrey Stokes of The Village Voice. The negative reviews focus on the album's idealisation of Lennon and Ono's marriage. Stokes found the concept and theme to be basically misogynist, and Kit Ratcliffe of the Boston Phoenix admitted to being annoyed by Lennon and Ono's assumption that lots of, pair, lots of people care deeply about them. Charles Char Murray of NME wrote that the couple's domestic bliss sounds like a great life, but unfortunately it makes a lousy record, adding that he wished Lennon had kept his very happy trap shut until he had something amazing, uh, something to say that was even vaguely relevant to those of us not married to Yoko Ono. <laughs> so that was, uh, but it was interesting how that changed uh, after the tragic murder. However, following Lennon's murder three weeks after its release, it became a worldwide commercial success and went on to win the 1981 Grammy Award for Album of the Year at the 24th Annual Grammy Awards in 1982. In subsequent decades, the album has been viewed favourably, with Lennon's songs in particular garnering praise as some of his finest. There were almost 10 million copies of the album sold, and uh, it went platinum in the UK and three times platinum in the US, and it went to number one on both sides of the Atlantic. But a lot of the, yeah, it would be churlish to not, yeah, a lot of the sales came tragically after the murder uh, of John Lennon, and then it was kind of reevaluated. And l- like what the uh, the critics, like those those reviews were held back after he died. So what are your thoughts on hearing those reviews and the sales and the stories behind the album? I think it's not, <clears throat> I don't think it's surprising that um, the album probably didn't review very well when it came out. Um, just because it's, I mean, it, there's obviously a lot, a lot of the songs have a bit more meaning to him after he was, uh, after he was killed. But yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I mean, I guess that the album is a bit of a, it's a bit of a mixed bag, bagism, mm-hmm. um, just because. I mean, I mean, it is a bit kind of, it's a bit of a strange thing to do after your five year hiatus and then uh, come out with a with an album, you know, John Lennon and Joe Kono. Um, you know, I can sort of see why people were a bit like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean it's obviously a big set, obviously a big big seller. I didn't realize it had sold that much. That's great, but when you look at it, there's there's seven songs by Lennon, seven songs by uh, Yoko Ono, and it, it it was obviously their life. It's their artistic choices, but it's frustrating as a John Lennon fan because you've got this musical legend making his comeback after being out of the public eye for six years. And he's got to share half the album with his wife, who can't sing. It's a travesty. Um, and, and you know, I don't know Yoko Ono, um, so I don't know her as a person. But as a singer, I think she's an awful singer and, and always have done. And I'll leave it at that. Um, the Lennon songs themselves on the album, I think the, the quality is really high. Um, and I know a lot of people at the time were perhaps disappointed because it was a loved up, domesticated sounding John Lennon. But that's where he was in his life. And the stuff on here for me is really tuneful and sung beautifully. So, yeah, big, thum- big thumbs up for me. Do you, do you not think, 
Well, what was quite interesting as well was that actually at the time the critics actually were were quite uh, enamoured with uh, Yoko's songs because they were very much uh, kind of like new wave sounding and like uh, one of the things that got John Lennon back into the studios the studio was hearing uh, Rock Lobster by the B-52s and he sort of said that oh that that's basically Yoko 10 years ago in Rock Lobster and that kind of was one of the songs that got him back into the studio along with coming up Paul McCartney and Crazy Little Think of Love by Queen these songs inspired him to get back in the studio but actually Yoko's I actually there's a few songs on the album that I really like actually that are Yoko songs and I think because Cheap Trick are also playing on them like Kiss Kiss I think that's a really good song mm. it's uh, like a really good sound if you had a, all that that you mentioned had people who could sing so maybe mm. yeah so uh, I mean I think I'm going <laughs> to guess as we're, we're doing on this I think the plan probably would have been better like a Plastic Ono band for them to release two separate albums John Lennon Double Fantasy uh, Yoko Ono Yoko Double Fantasy yeah. two separate albums uh, and I think then that you know the public could could choose which one to buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and, and I think that's, I suppose that's why doing this, you know, doing this podcast is that it would have been, imagine if it had been like that, where he'd just done one album, because uh, that would have been the better mm-hmm. the better way to do it, I think. Because uh, yeah. I didn't, I mean, I agree with Paul, I think, I think Yoko Ono's songs are quite, you know, they're, they're, they're probably edgier than John Lennon's mm-hmm. are. I mean, I can sort of see the criticism of John Lennon where it was like he just turned 40 and... Uh, Played it safe. And it, yeah, and it, it was like, oh, you know, and especially, I suppose, a lot of people have grown up with knowing John Lennon as being the rebellious Beatle and <laughs> yeah. he's come out with something that's really, you know, I suppose, adult-orientated rock in a way. And the Strip Back album version of it maybe shows you a bit of a edgier side although i still think i prefer the original recordings because the i think the, the stripped back version is just a bit too much like a demo but um yeah i mean i think if they'd released it as two albums uh which i think was the original plan wasn't it i don't think the original plan was for the two songs to be mixed in with it but i don't know if it's just the whole you know how they how they got you know like geffen to sign up to it without having heard it you know, it, it does sort of feel a bit like duping people into John Lennon. To, <laughs> Basically, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, know? you know, if you can get John Lennon, you know, just, yeah. Turned it to and be it, a good it, piece of business for him, though. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, David the plan Gaffin. was to have Milk and Honey, I think, what, six months after it, wasn't it? So mid-1981. So I guess... Yeah, I mean, there's... Yeah, sorry, on you go. I was going to say, so, like, if, if John Lennon hadn't, then... You know, there would have been the follow-up album on it. But um, I think the thing is, is if you look at it, again, a what if, if John Lennon hadn't been killed, would the, you know, would the sales have been as strong? Um, no, no. You know, would he have been put in a different position to go, well, you know, I can't release a follow-up album where it's, again, half Yoko Ono because people just aren't going to buy it and the critics aren't going to like it. So would he have had to have gone back and, you know, try to do just a complete album himself? I don't know. Uh, so you guys got a, a favourite track from the album? Um, probably for me, um, 
Uh, yeah, it's, uh, probably uh, either watching the wheels or I, I quite like uh, Women actually. I think Women is a really good song, good pop song. That's exactly the song that I was going to say, and of course it's the, it's what he called the Beatles song on the album, didn't he? He called it the most like Beatles mm. song. So yeah, I would say Women as well, or just yeah. like starting over. One of the two. Yeah, I'd what about you, just, Stephen? Yeah, I'd go with just like starting over. Always loved that song. Although, uh, yeah, the watching the wheels and, and women are fantastic as well. Alrighty, guys, thank you for that. Uh, so let's move on to the next album, which was Milk and Honey in 1984. See, Everybody's talking, no one says a word Everybody's making love, no one really cares There's Nazis in the bathroom, just below the stairs like to make at least I'm so hungry for making records because of the the way I feel I want to make some more records before a tour so I'd like to make at least one more album before actually just making that final decision of calling those very expensive session musicians and taking them on the road you know mm -hmm. but when I went in there I had no intention of going live because I've noticed a lot of people like Clash and things like that don't do any personal appearance hardly anymore and they just make a video on the record and so part of me would think oh I but when we were playing in that studio, and then I don't know whether it was Tony, the bass player, or the drummer, after we'd done starting over, he said, can we do this again? I mean, let's take it on the road. And that was the first time it came. I thought, my God, this would be fun, wouldn't it? And if we can do it in the way we've done the album, which is have fun, enjoy the music, enjoy the performance, be accepted as John and Yoko, then I'd be happy to go out there. In small but and I, large. That's the thing, you see. I don't. I, I, that, that's the bit I don't want to think about. You know, I don't, don't know whether know Madison Square Garden is what I really want to do. But then, can I really go into a small club and am I going to have to deal with? Oh, he couldn't make Madison Square Garden anymore. Or I, do I have to care? Do I care? I don't know. But it's certainly a very big possibility that when we get the next album tucked away and people know the songs from Double Fantasy, mm -hmm. we can go out and perform 
from Double Fantasy and the new album, rather than having to go back even to Imagine, although we might do it, or even before Imagine. I don't really want to go out and do Yesterday. <laughs> All my troubles seem so far away. I mean, only if I... I particularly wanted to do an old old Beatles song, would I want to do it? I really don't want to get into that, you know. Yeah, this album was released posthumously uh, four years after Lennon's murder and at the time it was because in one of the interviews John Lennon had said just prior to his death that they were uh, working on another album and they were halfway through it and that would be released and but actually what what actually was the case was that the tracks all the tracks were recorded at the same time and, and the songs that were on this album, Milk and Honey, were basically songs that weren't finished while they were doing Double Fantasy, they were just kind of left. So they weren't strictly recording another album, but it was songs that they were keeping for another time. And so, after falling out with David Geffen, I think he disappeared with the master tapes or something, so, so I think Yoko sued David Geffen and uh, Obviously, Geffen Records had initially released Double Fantasy. Ono moved future projects to Polydor Records, which initially released Milk and Honey. EMI, home of Lennon's entire recorded output, including that of the Beatles, acquired this and all the Lennon releases in the late 90s. So that EMI acquired all the, the albums that were done by Polydor and uh, Geffen by John Lennon. Predictably, the reaction to Milk and Honey was less fanatical than the one that afforded Double Fantasy in the wake of Lennon's death. But it was still well received, peaking at number 3 in the UK and number 11 in the US, where it went gold in both uh, sides of the Atlantic. Jack Douglas, who had co-produced Double Fantasy with Lennon and Ono, also had input into the initial sessions for Milk and Honey, though Ono declined to credit him after their professional relationship soured following Lennon's death. So that's quite interesting that David Geffen fell out with Yoko and Jack Douglas fell out with Yoko, uh, the producer in the, in the record company. And uh, so yeah, just like it was saying, yeah, the album got to number 11 in the US and the number 3 in the UK and it went gold on both countries, sold 2 million copies. And obviously the big the big single off it, Nobody Told Me, which is a brilliant song. That was the, the, thing, the single of the album, or the first single of the album. Yeah, so what are your thoughts on, on hearing that? I mean, you do wonder what's gone on behind the scenes with it. For something that was the original plan was to release it, you know, like in the middle of 1981, and yet it mm -hmm. was, you know four years it took to, mm -hmm. to get it out. I think also the other thing is, is with, uh, I mean, I think there's some really, really good songs, John Lennon songs on Milk and Honey, but uh, Nobody Told Me was a song for Ringo. That's right, yeah. So um, that wouldn't have been on the, which is you know, probably the, I think probably the strongest song on Milk and Honey. It's, uh, but yeah, uh, yeah that, that technically wouldn't have been on that. Um, so yeah, yeah. I think it's a, uh, I think it's a pretty. I mean, I think John Lennon stuff's pretty good, and I suppose Yoko Ono stuff's quite, quite interesting on it. Uh, but yeah, interesting behind the scenes stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I won't pass comment on the Yoko songs, but the Six Lennon songs that are on it, I think, are of variable quality. I think there's maybe three standout tracks uh, for me, which is Nobody Told Me, which is the best one. Uh, I'm Stepping Out, which I really enjoy, and Grove With Me, which uh, obviously had taken on much more uh, poignant significance uh, after Lennon's passing. But the rest, yeah, nothing essential there uh, and could maybe see why they weren't on Double Fantasy uh, as they probably still needed uh, some some work. Yeah, Paul, what about you? Yeah, I think it's it's a decent album. It's it's a wee bit like uh, Made in Heaven by Queen, you know, like Possumus release and kind of put together, but there's a, a few great Lennon tracks on it. I don't think the Yoko songs are as good as the ones on Double Fantasy. And that's the thing with this album. You don't know, would he have wanted this album out? Would he have wanted these tracks out? Would he have wanted to do more to them? You know, you just will never know, of course. But well, I see it's, when, uh, yeah. So I was going to say, you said I'm looking at the, the, the what do you call it, the Book of Visions. There's some handwritten mm-hmm. notes by John Lennon on, which I presume, it doesn't say, no, it must have been the original idea for his milk and honey only version like uh, sorry mm-hmm. uh, double fantasy only his song so like oh, things right. like uh growled with me his notes starts to sound like imagine but brass instead of strings mm. um real love is on it uh, with strings um it says i don't want to face it it's too fast should be laid back la style uh Borrowed time, reggae, should be like stepping out heavy bass guitar. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think as you're saying there, I, I think the songs that Lennon songs on there obviously had a bit more work to be done to them, but also I think mm. "Grow Old with Me" and "Real Love" were "Grow Old with Me" was to be like I guess his imagined song on that. That's right. Which yeah, probably would have been pretty good. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Yeah, and real love as well. Um, if, if they had been finished off properly, uh, could have been absolute John Lennon classics. I wonder why they weren't on the album. Like real love, particularly. Why wasn't that on the album? You know, there was so many different versions. You had the acoustic version in the Imagine film, and then you had the when the anthology came out, you had the piano versions. Well, strange how it wasn't didn't make it on the album. I think they're they're, they're really in the grand scheme of things rough recordings, and maybe the thought mm-hmm. process was could only get away with putting one kind of rough sounding demo on the album. Maybe yeah. I, I, I yeah, don't maybe. know. Maybe just pick the one that they like best that, mm-hmm. uh, from from those kind of rough sounding demos. So have you guys got a, a favourite track from this? I think we're all in agreement. Probably Nobody Told Me is the, the favourite track. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Nobody Told Me for me. Uh, yeah, same oh, here. just imagine Ringo singing it. <laughs> Do I have to? Nobody told me there'd be days like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, one, one of the things uh, before we move on, gents, is... Uh, I think you guys have both heard the stripped version of Double Fantasy, haven't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, so for those that don't know, um, in 2010, I think it was, now, right. y- Yoko Ono had made up with Jack Douglas, hadn't she? And they, I think yeah. they worked together to do a stripped version of Double Fantasy where they kind of took off a lot of the 80s 
production. I think like the female backing singers, the horns, uh, just to give it maybe a more uh, a more natural sound. Um, what's your thoughts on? I know personally, I I, I much prefer still the original release over it. I I think the stripped version, the songs just sound like demos. But what what would you guys think? Yeah, I agree. They do. It, it was really good to hear them, and, and it's good to hear like they're really quite. Although their yeah, their demos, the sound quality is good, so it's it's just good to hear an alternate take. Uh, well, what what wasn't the the release version? But it was still, uh, I still prefer the originals. Yeah, very much. Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's a bit of a missed opportunity because it's called the stripped stripped back version but it's not really I mean it is clearly different takes it's not the final take it's so I think something like clean up town clean up clean up time uh if I can say it right uh mm-hmm. that sounds really good I think is it Earl Slick that's playing on that yeah I believe so because it sounds like a David Bowie song especially on the uh the the, the stripped stripped back version it really mm-hmm. really sounds heavily influenced by that but I guess I think it would have worked better if they'd used like Lennon's original lead vocals on it, um, mm-hmm. or just taken the original songs and maybe, maybe actually stripped those back. Instead, it's yeah, it just sounds a bit like a demo, really. Uh, mm-hmm. It's nice enough to hear, but yeah, again, would I mean I guess if Lennon wanted that, then he would have released it like that, wouldn't he? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. He's not got a say in it now. <laughs> It's a bit like, sorry, I was just going to say, you know, I think the bonus track on the original album, and it's got uh, Every Man Has a Woman Who Loves Them, and I just think it's dirge. Oh, it's just terrible. And it was basically Yoko singing it, and then for Milk and Honey, they put, they took her vocals off and put John mm-hmm. Lennon's backing vocals in his lead vocal, and it just, it's a really boring flat song. Yeah. Sorry, Stephen, what were you going no, to say? No, I was just going to say, just with, uh, obviously, Paul McCartney had done a similar thing uh, for the Beatles' Let It Be album, uh, when he put out Let It Be Naked, uh, mm. and done a similar a similar job, whereby they took out the Phil Spector production and and, and, and did that. But again, I still preferred the original release. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, it's interesting to hear, but we... If you were on a desert island, what would you choose to take? I'd still take the original. Oh, definitely, definitely. Because <laughs> uh, obviously, Let It Be comes out next week. Uh, the Let It Be well, that's box right, set, yeah. uh, which that's will right. probably be this. It'll probably be out by the time this podcast comes out. But yeah, the, the Spectre version is far better. It's it's got a lot more warmth to it because I think they were quite flat at the time, the band. So I think it, what he did well, was really it- good. It was a nut Lennon said that he was giving the sh** shit and tried to make something yeah. out of it. That's right. Phil Spector was brought in louds and louds of tape. <laughs> <laughs> Time to now hear from a massive Beatles and John Lennon fan, our dad. So we talk about what it was like hearing that fateful news in 1980 when John Lennon was murdered, what made John Lennon his hero and what is his all-time favourite solo Lennon song. 
So our podcast is based on John Lennon's final album, released in his lifetime, Double Fantasy, and the posthumous, posthumous easy for me to say, posthumous mm-hmm. easy effort, for you to say. 1984's Milk and Honey. Mm-hmm. So before we talk about those songs and those albums, tell us, well, you were obviously around when John Lennon died, mm. tell us about how you found out about it and how you felt at that time in December 1980. Actually, Stephen, I was on my way to work. Uh, it was about 7.15 in the morning on my way to work and I had the radio on and it just came on there that John Lennon had been killed in New York, which obviously our time's slightly different from theirs. And it just came as a complete shock. I could not believe it. A man that had followed... Uh, he, he was a hero. He wouldn't, he wouldn't like you saying he was a hero. But at the end of the day, he was a hero to millions of people for the joy that him, Paul George Ringo, brought to, as I say, millions of people through music. Uh, it just came a complete shock, completely numb. And it should never happen. The man who fought for peace should be shot. It was tragic. And still is tragic. You were saying you had to pull in your, your van to take it all in? I did. I actually got into the yard by that time and I just sat in the van and just kept listening to the what was coming on in the news and other people, strange enough, were doing the same thing. Even in the office, they were sitting doing the same thing. And that's all the conversation was about. And there was young guys in there, a lot younger than me and a lot older than me. And that's all the conversation was about. The fact that John Lennon had been shot dead in New York. It, would, it should never have happened. So what made John Lennon your hero? Oh, his music. And he was very, very witty. And it just... I took to it, especially his earlier stuff. His music was raw, his voice was raw. Uh, as much as the Beatles were fantastic, they were fantastic as a band, as a group. I always liked John Lennon for the person he was. He tried to be true to himself. And uh, I wouldn't say he was commercial in his thinking. Very far from it. He wanted to stick to the roots of the Beatles. Started off as before the Beatles. But you listen to some of the songs in the early 60s, and even one that he never wrote with Paul McCartney, which was Twist and Shout. You listen to that song and the voice is raw. It's got a rasp to it. But even the man himself, he never took himself that serious. But he was just... I just liked John Lennon. I liked his voice. And that's the way it was. Most people back in the 60s, it's Paul McCartney. But for me, John Lennon was the man. And so he released his final album just before his death. And what did you think of the songs that he put out at that point? <laughs> to be honest, it wasn't the John Lennon that I knew. Only because he found himself in a good place and his thoughts were different, so his music was different. He'd finally come out of himself, out of his uh, his acid tongue, his... Uh, all that sort of stuff after the 70s when the Beatles split up, he was in a bad place. He uh, had an acid tongue. He was protesting about most things in Vietnam War and Richard Nixon. And that went through till you didn't hear much about him at all. And what you did hear about him in any of the news was bad. Uh, and he seemed to have got over that prior, just before the 80s. He found himself in a good place his son, his wife, Yoko Ono, and he was coming out of it, he was getting into the media again, and it was lovely to see and hear him talk again, 
but his music had also become tame. It's great songs, but for me that wasn't what I remember John went for. But I was happy for him. Mm -hmm. The fact that he'd come through all that and he'd found himself in a good place and that mattered. Although you did like from 1984, Nobody Told Me. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. There were lots of these songs on these albums that I liked. I really did like them. Mm -hmm. But, and that's, to be honest, that was the John Lennon, that, that song. But a lot of his songs, ah, Stephen, it's hard to describe after you've, after you've been through listening to him through his early days, the mid-60s, and in the advogant, ad, ad, it's easy for you to say, Arvin Gant, John mm -hmm. Lennon in, in the, the late 60s, as you say, in his acid tongue, mm -hmm. uh, as well as acid, mm -hmm. <laughs> in the 70s, uh, it wasn't the same John Lennon that came through that, I'm glad for him, because he found peace within himself uh, and in his mind. Yeah, and favourite John Lennon song? <laughs> I would say Imagine is the one that uh, most people know John Lennon for. Uh, and to me, that was a, a lovely song that'll never, ever, ever be forgotten. Nobody told me picking the songs would be so hard, but it's time to do it. Let's start the song selection for watching the wheels. So, for a song to make it on to the album, at least two of us needed to vote for it. So we're going to now go through those songs that did get at least two votes and get their place on the album. So the first song, and um, we'll play it for you right now, is was the first single from the album, and it is just like starting over. It's been too long to pick up the time No one wants to play my no time flies so quickly So that was just like starting over. Paul Murphy, what do you think about the song? Oh, I think it's uh I think it's it's a great intro, I think, in for more ways than one because the the intro sounds like a more upbeat version of uh of Plastic Ono Band. Mm. Of the, the bells. So uh the bells, I think that's, the bells. <laughs> I think that's that's why it is. It's because although I think Although actually, I think uh, they should have chosen should have chosen "Women" as the the lead song because um, it's the better one. But oh, it's a great great start to the the album, and it is if you're a John Lennon fan and you've sort of listened to it and you know that it sort of sounds like a nice sort of mirror image almost of Plastic Ono Band. Brother Paul, yeah, was it he called it as Elvis Orbison? That's right, um, song. <laughs> But I, I, the thing is for me that, and, and for you guys as well, that we're we're doing this in the context that we know what happened to him after these songs were done. So it does give a different slant on it. And a lot of the song titles are really, it's quite eerie actually, you know, songs like Just Like Starting Over, Living on Borrowed Time, uh, No Thoughts for Tomorrow. Uh, you know, there's so many songs. <laughs> <laughs> there's There's so many songs where... 
Yeah, it's almost like there's premonitions or something. But uh, yeah, just like starting over is a, a, a great song, and it's just really it's a shame because it's just so optimistic about the future. And yeah, and a matter of weeks later, you wouldn't have a future. But the song as well, what was quite, uh, I think there was already maybe a well-known song called "Starting Over." So what they did was they put just like uh, in brackets, and then just like starting over. Uh, hmm. So that was yeah. Yeah, what about you, Stephen? What do you think? Oh, I love this song. I absolutely love it. It's, uh, it's probably my favourite song uh, from across these two albums. I love the old school feel about it and harking back to that kind of late 50s, early 60s uh, rock and roll. Uh, and how about the fade out on it? It's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I think brilliant vocal from Lennon. I think really good crisp drum sound on it as well. Uh, and here's a, a crazy fact for you. This was released <clears throat> in the US on October 27, 1980, which was the same day that Mark Chapman bought the gun he would use to kill John Lennon on December the 8th. Mm-hmm. And the song, uh, which came out, I think, October 24 in the UK, it was John Lennon's first release since 1975, which back then, now, now of course, if this bands or singers take five, six, seven years off, nobody blinks an eyelid, whereas what John Lennon did uh, was almost unheard of, you know, to become a, yeah, that's like (laughs) become a hermit for for five years, so five, six years, so that was a, a big deal back in the day. So we all selected, just like starting over, another one we all selected was I'm Losing You. So before we talk about it, let's give it a listen. So guys, that oh hello, uh, that was I'm losing you, and uh, I suppose there were two versions we were considering here. One was the cheap trick version, which was a bit more raucous, and the other, which was released on Double Fantasy. So maybe start with you, brother Paul. Uh, do you want to talk us through what your thoughts are on Double Fantasy, and maybe why you prefer the cheap trick version, which was featured on the John Lennon anthology uh, album or albums? Yeah, I mean, I liked it. The first time I heard I'm Losing You was, obviously, Dad had the John Lennon collection, didn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I liked the song then. But then when the anthology came out in 98, and, and I remember Chris Evans, he was hyping it up as well. And it was, and then Cheap Trick actually did a video for it. And it's just, that's kind of, I think, the John Lennon that people probably wanted.
when it came when it came out because it, it sounds very much like a bit like cold turkey at the start or mm -hmm. that plastic on a band and i think cheap trick are excellent on it mm -hmm. and uh, but i think it was yoko that had made the decision to take them off and record it again but i think the other version it's a good it's good but it's a bit a bit too clean and safe whereas the cheap trick versions kind of like what people would have thought of john lennon doing in 1980. Who's wearing the trousers in your Dakota apartment, <laughs> John? Yeah. Hey, Paul, what about you? Yeah, I the the cheap trick version is. Uh, it's yeah, I think the cheap trick version is definitely the one to go for. Um, it sort of sounds a bit like early, like what Paul was saying, early sort of like plastic ono band, like cold turkey, uh, and I think that would have been. Um, I, I mean, it's an okay song on Double Fantasy, but I think the Cheap Trick version just elevates it a bit more into it being more interesting. Um, and yeah, and it's a shame that it didn't it didn't get released. But then it's maybe a bit of the kind of a bit of you know the summary of the album in a way, and that it didn't really quite have a clear direction on it. Mm -hmm. So is it supposed to be slightly raw, or is it not? Is it supposed to be? I mean, again, maybe you know, looking at those notes that, that that I was talking there about John Lennon's notes on the songs, and it could be where it's actually a bit of a greatest hits thing because you know some of it's supposed to sound like, like he's got those notes, mind games, and you know, working class hero and stuff. So, mm -hmm. yeah, but a cheap trick version, I think, is is fantastic. Yeah, for me, um, I actually do prefer the Double Fantasy one. Although, yes, I agree, cheap trick version is excellent too and uh, as you guys have mentioned i love the the snarly guitar on it it's at the end of the chorus um, and it has some lovely descending note verses as well and it. it's, it's a really good song um and did you know gents that the song resulted from john's inability to get yoko on the phone at a time when he feared for their relationship mm -hmm. and that yoko ono uh, this is one of her favourite uh, Lennon songs. Um, she said that it's, well, quote, I'm Losing You is an incredible song, I think, as a songwriter that tops it all. Because it's about her. Him being her <laughs> well, <laughs> if you'd been honest. It's, 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 it's funny that the song about the musical legend wanting her and nobody else, that's his best song, apparently. I mean, I wouldn't say it was Imagine. <laughs> no, yeah. it's not. It's not. But, but Yoko co-wrote Imagine, remember? Yeah. She got yeah. credit for it. Did she really? Yeah. yeah she, it's from her book Grapefruit, like the words and stuff. Hmm. Okay. Right. Uh, so that is two songs that we all wanted on the album. And we have another one, which we've all agreed on, which is Beautiful Boy. Brother Paul, start with you again on this one. Uh, what do you like about Beautiful Boy? It's just a lovely 
really nice. I remember when I first heard it, I wasn't too keen on it, but it's just, like I say, it's another one of these songs in the context of what we know now that, yeah, just, yeah, it's just really sad, you know, it looks like he's, because he didn't have time with Sean and this song, sorry, he didn't have time with Julian, didn't really, he wasn't a great dad to Julian, I'm sure he would be the first to admit that. And, but he, he kind of took that time bringing up Sean and it was just nice just to have that, yeah, father and son thing and, and, uh, yeah, I just think it's a lovely song actually. Yeah. And it, I think it's Paul McCartney, one of Paul McCartney's favourite John Lennon songs actually. Yeah, I think, there, I think there's video footage of him being played the song where he gets uh, quite right. emotional, yeah, yeah emotional mm-hmm. listening to it. Is Desert Island Discs. I think so. That's correct, yeah, 82 maybe. 84. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. But I think the thing is, it's like what Paul said, I mean, I think if you look at the context of what happened to John Lennon, that it gives it a lot more gravitas but um i mean i included it i mean i don't think it's a brilliant song uh i mean if if john lennon had lived you could see that totally sums up his the criticism adam where it's a bit kind of you know wishy-washy yeah it's you know it's probably not what i mean like and i get it because like if you're going from something like that you know the cheap trick version of I'm Losing You, which is more like probably what people wanted to hear. Um, so yeah, I think it definitely gets, a, a, with the context of what happened to him, it gets a, a lot more meaning to it, but if he it's hadn't died, I don't, think have, <laughs> I don't think it would have meant I mean, if he hadn't died it would probably be, I don't know if it would be quite so well liked. I don't think Paul McCartney would be choosing it as his best song by John Lennon either. Yeah, do you not think as well though that we're look you're we're actually looking think we're looking for things in the songs because of what happened as well. You're looking for I don't know a bit like David Bowie and Blackstar. It's like you're looking for things that he knows something's going to happen, and and maybe there's things in there that weren't even about what we think it means. It was just like a song <laughs> that yeah I don't know. Yeah, I mean, for for me, Beautiful Boy, I think it's a beautiful song. And obviously it takes on a very different complexion when you become a father uh, yourself. Um, the steel drums in it and the line in it, life is what happens to you while you're busy making other plans, is perhaps my favourite line in a song ever. And it is so, so true. Um and yeah, it actually just makes me sad listening to it now since you know Sean lost his dad at the age of uh, five. And the song was used to great effect in the movie of the same name that came out uh, maybe a year or two ago, starring Steve Carell. That's right. Yeah, that was because a... he he played uh, was it Chef David Chef the well, uh-huh. Chef in uh, in South Park. <laughs> like I think it was, was not David Chef from Rolling Stone, and he entered. Yes, that's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. in 1980. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's right. Right. yeah, no, it was a good film. Um, another thing <clears throat> from it is uh, that that line, uh, another line in the song, "Every day in every way, I am getting better and better," is a self improvement mantra, uh, mm-hmm. and it was popularized by a French psychologist named Emile. 
who made his patients repeat it over and over again. And I suppose you could draw a line with with that line to um, we can work it out where you had Paul McCartney doing the the positive line and you had um, oh no or was it getting better? Yeah, getting better. You have to admit it's getting better, yeah. It couldn't get much worse, yeah, sorry, getting better. So this was maybe a uh, where Lennon was now every day and every way I'm getting better and better. Who knows? Okay, the next song that makes it, um, and P- Paul Murphy, you didn't have it on your, your, your track listing, is Watching the Wheels. Oh, it was supposed to be on it. That's my mistake. Uh, I noticed that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that, is, that is on it. <laughs> I, was, I was about to give you some abuse there for leaving this one out well so i mean i, I could so have glad. answered it and said oh it's crap <laughs> but then that would, that would be a lie <laughs> is it not because you want to dear you on paul no you oh yeah. well i mean that was a close one well let's listen to watching the wheels Sitting here watching the wheels go round and round I really love to watch them roll No longer riding on the merry-go-round I just have to let it go I just have to So that was watching the wheels. I'll maybe kick us off on this one. Has that very uh, John Lennon Rowan piano playing on it? Uh, I love the lyrics. I think I love the honesty of them. It, it's like Lennon answering his critics for taking five years away from the music business to be a house husband. Uh, it's got a great chorus. Uh, and I just think that line, and I, I'm just sitting here watching the wheels go round and round. It's great and a lovely jazzy type of ending to the song um, as well. And I, and I think with it, that's the mindset that Lennon was in at this time in 1980s in stark contrast to where he was in 1973 and 74 when he was on his... On his uh, <laughs> Lost weekend, leaving Yoko and hooking up with uh, her assistant, and obviously engaging in lots of drink and drugs and everything else. Uh, and obviously, he returned to Yoko in 1975, and that's when he took his time off to enjoy domestic life. But, uh, Brother Paul, what do you think of the song? It's a brilliant song, and, and a lot of people said it should have been the first track off the album. Maybe, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's a it's a brilliant song, like you're saying, the words are really, really meaningful. And I like the sort of funfare effect that they have in it as well. And the only bit, I don't really like the jazzy bit as much at the mm. end. I don't really, that's the only downside for me. If it could, I, th- I felt it could have finished on a higher note rather than going down. But then, so. <laughs> okay, Paul. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's um, 
I think again, it's another one of these songs that takes a bit more context, a uh, bit more of a meaning. Um, you know, once uh, after what happened to him. But yeah, it is a it is a really really good song. Uh, what's interesting, I think, about it is that that was the third single, and it sure. only got to number thirty in the UK. A disgrace. So I mean, that would have been just after Woman got to number one, and then they got. And I would have thought that would have done pretty well as a single, but uh, yeah, it only got to number 30. Because I think by that point, we do not have had just like Starting Over, got to number one, the re-release of Imagine and then oh, Women, but they were all number ones, maybe a bit of uh, Lennon uh, overload. Maybe, maybe. I mean, maybe I think it's maybe one of those songs that's, you know, looking back on it is it's a probably a bit more you could appreciate more because it doesn't really sound of its time. No, it's a bit more timeless, I guess. Mm-hmm. Whereas a, maybe one of the criticisms of the album, maybe Milk and Honey as well, is it's maybe of its time, uh, which I get that you know, like he was trying to go for a bit of a new wave sound, but it also has a bit of a slick layer added to it in terms of the reverb and everything. But uh, yeah, whereas I think Watching the Wheels is just a bit of a classic sort of Lennon, Lennon song, a bit timeless, really. Okay, thank you for that, gents. Uh, let's move on to the fifth track that makes it. It's another unanimous choice, and it was the second single from the album, and it is Women. Paul Murphy, what do you like about this classic John Lennon song? Women! Women! Women. What, are you, what are you doing here, women? women? Women! I can hardly express. Where's my tea? <laughs> I like it because it is a very sort of a very Scottish sounding song. <laughs> women! Women! <laughs> I like women! Uh, yeah, I mean, it's um, I mean, it's my favourite song on the album and uh I think it's a, it's just yeah it's just a great sort of pop sort of like yeah very sort of like the Beatles I guess as we said earlier but uh, a nice nice key change which I think might be the only time he's done a key change John Lennon mm-hmm. um, but uh, yeah I think it is it's just it's a it's a brilliant song yeah for me it's uh it's just a classic isn't it uh it's, it's it's a beautiful i think it's got a beautiful heartfelt double track vocal nice guitar on it beautiful love song and another one that again just makes you a little bit sad that uh, again he was taken away too soon from his wife son and, and family um and obviously he did write this for yoko ono and he did regard it as his most beatles like uh, track on Double Fantasy. Um, I think he called it his 80s update of <coughs> The Beatles' Girl, which was a track on uh, Rubber Soul. Um, but yeah, I love it. What about you, Paul? Yeah, it's a bright, the highlight of the album for me. It's just, a, it's just a lovely song. It's just amazing to think he didn't release this when he was alive. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's such an amazing song and 
and uh, it's just got the instrumentation really good as well because it just sort it's sort of in the background. It doesn't really take over the song, and it's just got the right mix, the right blend, and as you say, yeah, it's got that uh, poignancy as well because obviously we know what's going to happen, but. Yeah, and, and it's I suppose it shows how far he'd come on as a person who would describe himself as a, a chauvinist or a misogynist, you know, and he was he was violent to women and, and I think this was him sort of being old he's forty now and he's he and then he's shown his appreciation for women because he was brought up with women when he was a little boy, you know, and so I think he said it's about all women and 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 hopefully when you think about all these years later that things have changed and that maybe women are getting more of a more credit for things than they did then. Okay, thank you for that. Uh, so, gentlemen, the next song that we all want on the album is "I'm Stepping Out." A one, a two, a one, two, three, four. This here's the story about a household. You know, just has to get out of the house. He's been looking at, the, you know, the kids for days and days. He's been watching the dishes and screwing around and watching Sesame Street till he's going crazy. Woke up this morning. I'm stepping back in now that we've listened to I'm Stepping Out and Brother Paul what do you think about this song which was the first on the Milk and Honey album yeah it's a, it's a good song I, I still think if if it had been released in his lifetime I don't know it just feels a bit too almost too squeaky clean the sound and the I almost feel like if it was going to be released, they might have done more with it. But mm-hmm. I, I do like it. I think it's a good song. Uh, and I just like the opening, a one, a two, one, two, you know. But it still, it sounds mm-hmm. a bit like a demo, actually. That, that That's, that's yeah. I would say it sounds like a demo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, Paul, what about you? Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think it's a, a good song. But yeah, like Paul said, I think it's, it it pro it pro- definitely feels like it's not the final version. And again, looking at these sort of notes on it, how it says that it should be heavy bass and guitar, um, which obviously isn't. So you do wonder if it yeah would have been re-recorded or something like that. And that, that's the thing that I'm kind of kind of really surprised that um, you know maybe Yoko Ono didn't take those notes and go you know because I think with the I was going to say and re-record them with different backing, uh, backing sort of like uh, musicians because that was the whole thing with uh, with Free as a Bird in Real Love, wasn't it? That, mm-hmm. was that he was going to get it recorded like different 
you know, different musicians to record the backing tracks. And then I think Paul McCartney sort of stepped in and said, oh, we should do it. Mm-hmm. I'm stepping in. So I hadn't really heard the song until preparing for this uh, for this episode. Good energy on it. Like the guitar and the verses. Love the lyrics about household domesticity and the need to just... Domesticity! Domesticity! Say it five times in a row really quickly. Domesticities! Domesticity! So the lyrics on the fade out about the time he'll come home from his night out are really funny and I think there's actually lots of nice little lines that Lennon uh, just throws out during during the song uh, loose feel to it um, a couple of facts related to it, uh, do you know this was actually the first song recorded during the Double Fantasy Sessions in 1980 uh, so quite strange it was held over and John Lennon composed the song in Bermuda in June 1980 uh, and while on holiday there he visited a nightclub and the next day he was slightly hungover but infused by the whole experience, he wrote, I'm stepping out. The next song we all love, and it is Nobody Told Me. So, Brother Paul, nobody told me. One of his best songs, and the instrumentation is just brilliant. You know, it's just, it's just amazing to think that he wasn't gonna, he was gonna give it to Ringo. It's like, it's a great song, and like I say, the music's really good behind it as well. And I think it was originally called "Strange Days Indeed." I think maybe originally. But nobody told me it's actually a better title, I think. And mm-hmm. we first heard it. Yeah, my dad bought the single away back. I remember being confused at the time because I was like, how can John Lennon release a new single? I thought he was dead. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember thinking that at the time. And remember the artwork, I mean, Yoko, and I think it was maybe in Japan, they're in a garden and uh, having their tea. And uh, But it's just a brilliant song. And... There's a bit where he talks about there's uh, UFOs over New York, and I ain't too surprised. So I think it was 1974 they said they'd saw UFOs. <laughs> uh, <laughs> maybe they'd had something before that, mind you. Uh, yes. that. But yeah, br- brilliant, brilliant song. Up there with his best. And uh, it's amazing to think it wasn't released. <laughs> yeah, what a song. Um, yeah, uplifting, rocky, direct, great energy on it. Uh, I love the instrumental build to the chorus, you know, dum, 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 yeah. dum, dum, dum. Um, and the, the chorus, I think, is hilarious because for years I always thought, nobody told me that you'd need glasses. Nobody is told that me that you need glasses. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for years. I'm like, oh, well, he's, he's worn glasses for a good number of years, so fair enough. Um, but yeah, nice lyrics, great vocal from Lennon. I like the line, everybody's smoking and no one's getting high, which is great. Um, but yeah, I think the working title for this was Everybody's Talking, Nobody's Talking. 
um yeah um and obviously it recorded during the sessions for double fantasy but as you said paul decided to give it to ringo for his 1981 album stop and smell the roses uh but when uh lennon was was killed uh ringo didn't feel comfortable recording it and hence we get the the great lennon version on milk and honey so uh paul what about you what do you like about it yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's much else I can really add to it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it is. It's a really good song. Uh, it was uh, when I was reading about it that he'd actually they'd booked a session to record it. John Lennon was going to go out to record it with uh, Ringo in January 1981. Mm. And it was already booked to be done. So, um, yeah, you can sort of see why maybe Ringo couldn't have uh, couldn't have done it after that. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could just imagine Ringo doing it. I mean, it's a bit of a shame that it wasn't because Stop and Smell the Roses, it's a bit of a strange album in that it's not brilliant, but it could have been, it should have been, like, uh, you know, Ringo's Ringo album. And maybe it would have led to a Beatles reunion. Who knows? Yeah. Okay, thanks for that. Uh, the next song, which is another unanimous choice, is Borrowed Time. So I'll maybe kick us off for this one. So that was Borrowed Time. Um, I don't have too much to say in it. It's obviously a slightly reggae-ish song, but I do like its positivity and really with the lyrics, the reality that uh, life is short, so make the most of it. Um, So this was another song written by Lennon in Bermuda in 1980, and then it was inspired by Bob Marley's Hallelujah Time. Um, And Lennon felt that he was living on borrowed time, uh, what we're all doing, even though most of us don't like to face it. So that was that was his thoughts, and unfortunately, his words turned out to be very sadly true. Uh, so, Paul Murphy, borrowed time. I didn't choose this. I don't think. Did you not? No. Oh. Oh, it's not on my list. Uh, okay. Well, what do you not like about oh, no, it? it then? On it. Sorry, it is on it. It is on. <laughs> it. Uh, it is. I just noticed it there. Um, You're living on borrowed time. Yeah. Uh, it's just because when I was thinking about it, when you talk about it, I, I don't know if I'm a huge fan of it, really. Uh, but then, you know, t- trying to find the right... I mean, it is... It sounds like of its time. I was sort of thinking about it. It sounds very, very mm-hmm. much of its time. Uh, and I guess he's trying to sound a bit contemporary, but uh, probably not one of the best ones, I would say, on it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thank you for that. Uh, Brother Paul? Yeah, it's it's not one of his best songs, but it's it's just the words are quite yeah, it's quite eerie, you know, like living on borrowed time without a thought for tomorrow. It's good to be older again, you know. It's good to be older, and you're just like, oh, if you only knew what was around the corner. Uh, so Mark Chapman, mm, and I remember that was the name of the book. Uh, quite a rare book, I actually had. Fred Seaman, who was John Lennon's assistant at the Dakota, and that was the title of the book, Borrowed Time. 
And uh, I, I like how he did, it's almost like he's going back to his scouser, you know, he's, the way he spoke, because he kind of developed a bit of an American accent uh, living in America. And like Paul McCartney fell out with him and called him Kojak. Yeah. He says, look, what's your accent about, John? Trying to be Kojak. And, uh, but in this song, he's sort of, you know, like he's really putting the, the scouser accent on. So it's quite nice to hear. You know, like what's the word? What's the weather? And I know she loves me. You know, so he was maybe kind of hamming it up oh, a bit. Welsh? But <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, it's close to Liverpool. It's close to Liverpool, to be fair. Uh, but uh, so it's it's a bit like uh, dear Yoko, uh, dear Yoko, on Double Fantasy. They're a bit like just like demos, really. That. Or B sides, they're not not great songs really. But in the context of what happened, the song has a lot more meaning. So it's really good to hear because of what happened. Okay, well here comes track nine on our album. That's another unanimous choice, and it is "Grow Old with Me." Brother Paul, grow old with me. What do you like about this? It's a lovely song. Somebody, oh, I can't remember. So, I, I'm sure I heard somebody had that actually at their their wedding. Uh, grow old with me. I think it's a it's a lovely song, and I actually prefer the the sort of demo sounding one. It sounds a bit more like the piano and stuff, and the sort of crackling in the background. It just gives it more. It's more atmospheric. Whereas the anthology one, that George. George, say George Harrison, George Martin uh, added strings and stuff, but it just, for me, it didn't, it took something away from the rawness of the original one. And uh, and then maybe, like a lot of the songs we're talking about, maybe there's, you read more into it because of what happened to him as well, you know, and because some of the piano does sound a bit, I don't know, you could imagine it at a funeral as well. And... Yeah. Uh, obviously grow old with me and then, you know, just like borrowed time. It's almost like there's things about looking to the future and he doesn't know that he doesn't have a future really, you know, and three weeks later or whatever. So, but a great song, very good. It's like a hymn, actually. It's a bit like a hymn. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Paul? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good song. It's based, it's basically taken from a poem, isn't it? Uh, That's right, yeah. The notes, I've got it written down. Was it in the eighteen hundreds or something? Yes, and I've got like there's these photos of uh, John Lennon and Yoko dressed up as the the two of the them characters in the book. Uh, the yeah, um, yeah. So uh, I think it's a I think it's a pretty good song. I mean, I put it at the. Uh, I think it would have been interesting to have heard it as maybe he, he originally intended it to, if it was to sound a bit like Imagine, but. Um, I've sort of put it as the final song on my version of the album as kind of uh, 
like the ending of Plastic Ono Band with My Mummy's Dead, which is kind of like a very lo-fi song. But this is a nice, uh, nice sort of like, again, similar to just like starting over. It's a nice sort of, you know, mirror image of it, of somebody who's happy, middle-aged and happy, really. So, yeah. I did, I did the same, Paul. I did exactly the same as the final track. Yeah. Oh, great what? minds think alike. That's right. And you you prefer the original demo one as opposed to the uh, George Martin anthology produced one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I think unless, you know, I think it would only really have worked with, uh, you know, had it been like a proper recording and, mm-hmm. um, you know, like on the notes to have it is imagine, but uh I think only to have actually heard it in the proper sort of like context of a fully recorded song. So yeah, mm-hmm. I prefer the original one. Okay. Yeah, I mean, for me, uh, it's a great song. Obviously, the lyrics are incredibly sad considering what happened to him. Uh, I actually prefer the George Martin uh, produced version, although I think both are great. Um so the song, obviously, it, it was recorded in demo form and a, 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 a cassette tape in Lennon's home in the 70s, and he had planned to record it properly for Milk and Honey. And Paul McCartney wanted to make this the third Beatles reunion song, but producer Jeff Lynn told him that it would be very difficult to do because of the hum that was on the cassette and that really couldn't be eliminated. And also George Harrison objected because he thought it was too sad given the nature of John Lennon's death. Um, And Yoko couldn't grow old along with him, as the song urged. So that was uh, kabooshed. Was there not a third song called Now and Then that they were going to do as well? The Three Tolls, as as they were known. But then George Harrison apparently just said, no, that's crap. crap. Yeah, that's the one. George Harrison said, no, that's crap. Just leave it, Paul. <laughs> which which song was it? It's called Now and Then. You can get it on like bootlegs and Is it a like Lennon a song? Yeah, yeah, Now and Then. It's called But um they did because there's an interview with Paul McCartney where he says that, you know, uh, oh I might go back to it someday and finish it off. So yeah, once Ringo's gone, he'll be able to release it as the Beatles. Well, I, I, I was always always heard that it was Grobed of me that was the serious um, third single. Um, but because of the... Uh, it wasn't obviously an overwhelmingly positive reaction to the, the two uh, new songs they'd done, uh, Fees of Bird and Real Love, that they never bothered doing this. So who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Okay, uh, so let's go to track 10, and this is one that you guys wanted on. Uh, I did not choose it, and it's cleanup time. Now it begins. That's clean up time. Uh, Paul Murphy, uh, you wanted this on the album. What do you like about it? Uh, it sounds like a, sounds like a David Bowie song. Um, 
just the Earl Slick sort of guitar that's on it. I think it's him that's playing on it. Um, I think it, it, yeah, I mean, I think it kind of shows Lennon in a more contemporary sort of sound. Uh, I mean, I probably prefer the production of the stripped back version, but the vocals of the actual, uh, the original version. Uh, but yeah, I really like it. It kind of maybe shows where where he was at that moment, where, again, it was like being influenced by new wave bands and, uh, you know, yeah, absolutely. You know, like that sort of um, the B-52s, as Paul was talking about earlier, and I think this sort of kind of reflects a bit more of that, which some of the other songs don't really show it. Okay, Brother Paul? I think it's okay. It's not... I don't think it's brilliant. Uh, I think purely the reason I had it on was because originally, like, when we are doing this, I thought you could have Yoko songs on as well. So this was kind of a, like a last-minute substitute. Uh, you'll be sad to hear. Uh, the Ollie Gunnar Solskjaer substitution. <laughs> so, uh, but no, it's 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 good just to hear a new John Lennon, I suppose a different John Lennon song at the time. But it just it feels a wee bit half-hearted to me. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's all right. It's, it sounds of its time. I, I just think, just didn't think all that much of it. Um, and the, the lyrics to the song, just referencing a chat Lennon had with producer Jack Douglas uh, on the, before he'd met him, just talking about the 70s and how obviously they were cleaning up their act, getting away from drugs and alcohol and moving on to the better things. That's where that came from. It also mentions uh, the words milk and honey as well, doesn't it? Uh, I think it does, yeah. Okay, another song that you guys wanted on it, which I didn't choose, is I Don't Wanna Face It. So let's hear it. So, Brother Paul, we'll start with you this time, so I don't want to face it. Yeah, it's quite good. Uh, it's it's a bit heavier. Yet, yet again, though, it still sounds like it's not finished. It sounds like a demo. But it's just good to hear I'm being a bit more rockier. But, but like I say, it still sounds quite empty, almost like it's not... I don't think you would have left it like this. Mm -hmm. But I just like the kind of the feel for it. Yeah, but other than that, nothing really to say about it, really. All right, uh, Paul? Yeah, same thing. I think it's um, it sort of feels a bit like a demo. It's not quite not quite finished. I mean, it's a good enough sound. So it does make you think, what would it have been really like, you know, if, it, if he'd managed to, to finish it off? Uh, but yeah, it's 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 it's. Pretty pretty decent. Uh, vocals aren't great though on it, so the vocals no. definitely could have been better. No, uh, yeah, I mean, I like that it's a bit more raucous, and uh, I think the guitar uh, leading out of the chorus sounds a little bit like Cold Turkey. Uh, I just found the song maybe a little bit demo-ish in the middle of the road. Um, uh, the song was written in 1977 towards the end of 
uh, that year where Lennon recorded a series of home demos um, he was working on during obviously his house husband period. Okay, the last song that gets on the album is um, Real Love. So this was selected by myself and brother Paul. So let's hear that. That was real love. Uh, Paul Murphy, you didn't choose this for your album. Uh, what were your reasons for that? Uh, I just don't think it's finished enough. Uh, okay. If he'd been alive and if it is a what if and if he'd gone back and worked on it a bit more, but which version would it have been? Mm. The guitar version or the piano version? or The guitar, the guitar version for me. <laughs> So I think yeah, that's 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 why it's just one of those songs where it's not quite finished. Like you're saying, it's on his list of songs, but uh, to put on it. But I guess you just never know what that what it would have really been like. Could have been incredible. I think I really do. Uh, so, brother Paul, you prefer the guitar version? So obviously, it's a, it's, de- it's a demo. Um, and there's a piano and version, and there's a guitar version. What do you prefer about the guitar version? Just I quite like, I quite like the fact that it sounds like a demo almost. That. a bit like love from the Plasticono band album and because I used initially well when the anthology came out I really liked the piano version but I always seem to go back to the the guitar version that was on the Imagine soundtrack mm. it's yeah. just a really nice I think it was originally called Girls and Boys was it all so. Girls and Boys yeah and I just remember obviously our dad had the Imagine soundtrack and then when you see it in the film as well it's, it's the opening credits in the film it's a slightly different mix, I think, in the film, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's it's better than the Beatles version, you know, or the Beatles version. I think. What about you? Uh, wasn't it a double cassette? The Imagine soundtrack. It was, yeah. Yeah, I just remember the cause it was unusual the double cassette uh, package. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that had. Um, I, I think it's great. Uh, I, I think it's just a real shame we never got to to hear it in a proper full finished John Lennon version. Um, it's a real pity. Uh, I I do prefer the piano version. I think the piano piano on it is uh, is glorious. But yeah, it was unfinished. Uh, obviously, it was completed by the remaining Beatles and was the second single 
released as part of their anthology uh, package, uh, the first being Free as a Bird. supplied Lennon's demos to the remaining Beatles and gave them permission to, to use them. So we now have our track listing for watching the wheels. So the songs are, just like starting over, I'm Losing You, Beautiful Boy, Watching the Wheels, Woman, I'm Stepping Out, Nobody Told Me, or time, grow old with me, clean up time, I don't want to face it, and real love. So there's 12 songs there, which means the album comes in at 45 minutes. Before we reveal the songs that did not make the cut, let's share what the most popular songs were from a couple of Facebook groups. So. Uh, we asked uh, these Facebook groups what their favourite track uh, was from Double Fantasy and Milk and Honey. So, uh, well, Paul, you can see what the answer is. Paul Murphy, you don't know what the answer is. So the first uh, group I went to uh, to do the poll was the John Lennon group. Uh, the second was the John Lennon and Beatles groups. So what do you reckon were the songs that these guys selected as their favourite? From one from each album? No, just from across the two albums, oh. the favourite song. Uh, Women. No. What? <laughs> Dear Yoko. Uh, no. Yep, that's it. Well done. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, watching the Wheels. No. This could be a long night. Oh, uh, right. I'll go for one more. Uh, just like starting over. Hooray. Yes, the John Lennon group had that as their favourite and the John Lennon Beatles group had I'm Losing You as their favourite. So thanks to everyone who voted. Stephen, do you remember we, when we were in uh, Niagara Falls, uh, we went to, uh, it was like a sort of bar near there and there was a band that covered that, remember? The band covered just like starting over. Oh, is that in the casino? Yeah, yeah, the casino. Yeah, that remember. band was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. No, it just yeah. reminded me of just, oh, yeah, I remember they covered that. Yeah. Did a yeah. Good, good job of it. Yeah. Um, I remember one guy got up and sang the killers. Uh, under pressure as well, wasn't it? Yeah, they've done the killers. Oh, under pressure by the killers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All the things that I've done by the cars are oh, so good, so good. Yeah, they were good. Okay, so we're now going to just uh, briefly have a look at the songs that did not make it onto the album. And the first one, which was selected by Brother Paul, was the My Life demo. So let's give it a quick listen. My life, take it 
So, Paul, my life, uh, the, the demo, um, tell us a little bit about it and what you like about it. I just think it's a lovely song. And obviously, it, it does sound like a demo. There's no getting away from it. But it's just a lovely melody. My life, you can do it. it it's almost, I think it could have been finished into a great piano ballad. And it's also, yeah, in the context, you know, he's talking about his life. He's kind of looking at his life and and it's another one of these, I've mentioned it many times tonight, you're seeing it in the context of what happened. And uh, it's just a nice little medley that seems, uh, medley, melody that's like, uh, he's probably just done quite easily and just came quite naturally. So okay. I just really like the melody. It's one of my favourites in the anthology pop set. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. And obviously a few of the the kind of hooks and lines in it made it into other songs that were released on yeah. Double Fantasy and Milk and Honey. Yeah. Okay, uh, another song which didn't make it, and I actually did pick this, which is Dear Yoko. So let's play it. Oh, well, hella, hella, even after all these years I miss you when you're not here I wish you were here, my dear, dear Yoko even if it's just that day, I wish you were your way. I wish you were here today, dear Yoko. So that was Dear Yoko. Um, and I will say, I, I really don't like it when artists reference their partners by name in love songs. It is cringeworthy. Uh, and John Lennon was really bad for it. He'd done it a lot. Um, I'm just thinking about you guys. Imagine you doing, you know, as part of the Pablos. Imagine you guys doing mm. s- songs and naming it after your partners. You know, I really I'm quite so- happy doing a shout out to Scarlett Johansson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you are, but is she? But uh, Scarlett, you're my heart. Yes, I, be, you know, I really yards away from her. <laughs> I really fancy a curry tonight, but the weather is not too bright. I really hope you don't get a fright. Oh, Jill. So there you go. <laughs> There's a line for you, Paul, to use in your next yeah, track. Yeah. But it, it does, I think, when people, how much in love they are and name their partners in it, it's just, you know, it's past the sick back time. However, I do like this tune. I think it's a, it's a good kind of upbeat tune there. Um, and obviously John Lennon closed the Imagine album with O Yoko um, and his last words uh, on the, 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 the Double Fountains album was uh, Dear Yoko. So uh, I think to... what's, what, what's interesting, when I was listening to the song, I was thinking, oh, it sounds a bit like Buddy Holly. Hmm. Uh, like his vocals yeah. on it and then sure enough on, the, on his notes, it's like uh, Buddy Holly. Yeah. But I don't know if you've seen on YouTube, YouTube, there's footage of him. I think it's maybe done early 1980 or 79. And he's 
he's playing it in Dakota and he's, got, he's acoustic guitar and he's got the big long hair and ponytail and the sort of give piece a chance beard uh, if you go on. It's just, for me, it's just not a... Like, oh, I actually think Oh Yoko is a brilliant song, like the song in Imagine, but for me this is like a pure... Yeah, just not very good. It's a bit too cheesy, whereas I think Oh Yoko, it's a good song so it gets away with it. But this is mm. just not very... Not very good. Crap. <laughs> the final song, which none of us uh, voted for, was Forgive Me My Little Flower Princess. Let's hear it. Forgive me my little flower princess Because you're So, gents, uh, were you tempted in any way to put the little flower princess on your cut? Not at all. Nope. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if it's just uh, is just a demo. I mean, like again, it's the thing of the you know the milk and honey thing, where you know it's supposed to be released six months after Double Fantasy, and you sort of think, would that really have been on it? Maybe not. I mean, maybe being replaced with real love. I don't know. But yeah, I just couldn't see it being released. Yeah. You can see why it was left off Double Fantasy. It's, it's average. It doesn't really go anywhere. Maybe a B-side at best, but at least it's mercifully uh, short. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think he recorded this quite early in the Double Fantasy uh, sessions. Um and, I, and in fact, a lot of the songs that were recorded were reference recordings for him to, to go back to, to maybe work on for Milk and Honey. Uh, so obviously, as, as you've mentioned, Paul, with the, the handwritten notes uh, Lennon had made, you know, he could obviously take some time to re-evaluate re them, make changes and then record them properly um, on revisiting them. But... Do you know, I was just thinking about there. Imagine, imagine if uh, Paul Mc horrible to think but imagine it was the other way round and it was McCartney too we were doing this podcast on you know like I thought you got to say uh, imagine it was Yoko that was that's uh, what I thought yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, that would have been awful uh... <laughs> Okay, so gents, before we finish up, let's maybe share our own cuts of the uh, of the album. So, Paul Murphy, maybe start with you. So, what made your cut, and what order did you have the songs? Okay, so starting off, I've got a uh, side A going for the vinyl, um, just like starting over because, uh, and that's the original version. Uh, again, it's like a nice sort of like sort of mirror of um of plastic ono band and then i've got nobody told me uh clean up time i don't want to face it and then i've got i'm losing you which is the cheap trick uh version and then on side b open up with women uh then i've got i'm stepping out beautiful boy borrow time watching the wheels and then finally with grow old with me like I said, it's sort of like almost again a nice 
sort of 10th anniversary type reflection of Plastic Ono Band instead of My Mummy's Dead. It's a nice sort of bit more uh, happy middle-aged man. So and that's mm -hmm. my track listing. Hey, thanks, Paul. Brother Paul? Yeah, so my track listing is not too dissimilar to what Paul just said. So just like starting over, you know, it's his comeback and it's, you know, and it, it's almost like for him, it's like feeling like he was younger again. So that was the great opening track. And then keeping it quite heavy and then putting in a song that maybe people would have thought he would have had as a single, maybe for the first uh, single, I'm Losing You, the cheap trick version. And then going into Beautiful Boy, kind of taking it down a wee bit and talking about the, the domesticity. It's easy for you to say. <laughs> and then I'm stepping out uh after that then watching the wheels clean up time i don't want to face it and then side two would be woman which is the most beatles the, the most beatles sounding song on the album and borrowed time and then real love the acoustic version my life the the demo and then the second last song, the penultimate song, would be Nobody Told Me, because I think John Lennon had a, a big sense of humour, and I think Nobody Told Me that it's quite very much his humour. So I think it'd be good to have that, kind of the second last song. And then the last song would be Grow Old With Me, a bit like for the reasons Paul was saying as well, just just a nice way to finish it off, you know, starting off just like starting over and then Grow Old With Me. It feels like two bookends, and one starts and one finishes. Okay, thanks for that. Uh, for mine, I've got 11 tracks on mine, so I would have kicked off with the piano demo version of Real Love, so kind of a bit of a lo-fi uh, beginning before going into the first single, which is just like starting over. Uh, then the second single, Women, uh, before uh, got a bit more up-tempo if I'm stepping out, uh, going with the, the, the chilled out, Beautiful Boy, before finishing the first half of the album with Watching the Wheels. Uh, turning over to the second side, we'll start off with the more raucous Nobody Told Me. Uh, I'd go with the double fantasy version of I'm Losing You. Uh, then Borrowed Time, Dear Yoko, and we've all went for it as the closing track, Grow mm -hmm. Old With Me. So Great Minds Think Alike. So yeah, 42-minute album uh, for me there. So guys, thanks for uh, for joining today. Uh, how have you found revisiting Lennon in the nineteen eighty? I think it's. Uh, I mean, again, it's you know, it's very hard to listen to without the whole thing of what happened to him. But um, I, I, in a way, it's maybe a bit disappointing because there's so much potential there and uh, it was never quite realised, especially with the Milk and Honey stuff, and it would have been I think it really would have been you know, you look back and think you know, had he not been killed and had he gone for no, I am going to release an album of just my stuff and spent a bit of time on it, had the opportunity to spend a bit of time on it, I think it could have been a brilliant album uh, so I guess that's why it's quite a bit sad in a way, because you know you're dealing with unfinished songs and so you're trying to piece them together and stuff so yeah 
Okay, Brother Paul? Yeah, I've, I've enjoyed it. It's because even though some the production, the songs maybe doesn't sound, I don't know, doesn't sound maybe how you would have liked it to have sounded, but the lyrics are still amazing and as good as ever. And uh, yeah, they're really powerful. And yeah, I, I would love to, but they actually, you can get some of it, but it was del- a lot of it was deleted. It, 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 they actually filmed a lot of the sessions but I think Yoko Ono deleted them. It would have been great to see the sessions. You can see about 30 seconds of I Think I'm Losing You and John Lennon's got this kind of special different type of electric guitar and he's got the ponytail at the time. And uh, so it would have been it would have been great. And it's all it all ties in with because of what happened and it's just it's a real period that that uh, is really kind of important in the context of John Lennon. You know, that, that, that year, 1980, just a lot of changed and, yeah, a lot of ironies and things in it as well, like the songs and what was to come. But uh, could have been better, but the songs are still great as well, even maybe contradicting myself there, but the songs that were good were some of the best songs he ever did, put it that way, the ones that were good. Are very good. Okay, thank you for that. So, uh, you can contact us via our Facebook group, join to get access to exclusive podcast episodes and ranking videos. You can email us at trimmusicfat at gmail.com and leave us voicemail via Anchor. Uh, let us know which albums or song you'd like us to feature. You can listen to our show on all major podcast providers, including Apple, Google, and Spotify. And if you have an episode, uh, just be aware that we have a few episodes dedicated to, to Paul McCartney and one to the Beatles' White Album. Uh, you can check out our website, which is www.trimmingmusicalfat.com. And I don't want to face it, but it's time to bring our podcast wheels to a stop before we lose you. Until next time, keep trimming. Bye. 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 Bye.